Hey, everybody, if you're looking for new fitness equipment to add to what you have and you want to find something that really complements the steel mace that you're swinging already, consider going with freedomstrength.us. They have strongman sandbags, throwing sandbags, uh, all kinds of lifting gear. They have training sandbags, resistance bands, and weight vests, and they have apparel. And if you use the discount code SMN10 at checkout, you're going to get 10% off. You're going to help support the podcast and you're going to help support a good American company right in Pennsylvania, U.S. of A. So check out freedomstrength.us. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Once again, I have a familiar face on. Her name is Kristen O'Brien, uh, Diary of a Fitness Junkie. Kristen, thanks for coming back on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was back three years ago, three years ago when we podcasted. That was episode number 15. You, right? I can't believe it's been that is that crazy? That's wild. I had to look it up. I said, well, when was that? Uh, I remember we when I first started the podcast, I would uh, record it in black and white. So I call that the black and white days. <laughs> it's very old-fashioned looking. <laughs> it's old-fashioned. <laughs> but yeah, that was three years ago. It was episode 15. People could go back and check that out. And, um, you know, so it was the 15th episode. And I was just starting the podcast. And I was like... Oh, I want to get her on. And and the reason why I think I wanted to get you on, uh, you I mean, you were moving great with the mace, so that was a no-brainer. But um, you also <clears throat> indicated that you had a, a background in bodybuilding and stuff like that. So I just wanted to get more of an, more of that interesting story that you had there. And, and you know, uh, whatever pops up in the discussion, if that pops up again, yeah. But if uh, anybody's interested, go back to episode 15 and you could – you can listen to what Kristen has to say about her bodybuilding days and things like that. If you know Kristen, uh, you see her videos on uh, her Instagram, a diary of a fitness junkie. You will see that she's in great shape. She moves super well. She does all kinds of different things besides mace. Uh, she's you're basically a general a pr practitioner of, you know, you do everything. But um, I remember we did uh, have a quick discussion and I've made a note here. Uh, you said that mace brings it all together. Uh, so you had all these fitness things going on. You were on a journey. You mentioned you were on a journey, but you still didn't kind of know where you were. I was intrigued by that. Um, the mace kind of brings it all back together for you. That I guess it's the movements of the mace, using the mace that ties it all together. So um, you're on your journey still, like we all are, but have you uh, – found more footing with where you are now from three years ago um no I think it's I still am obsessed with the mace <laughs> like I I literally am a fitness junkie to the core I love all things fitness I there's not one aspect of it that I like I love it all um so it the the mace it does bring everything together and I I think it, it provides both your strength, your conditioning, your artistic outlet, your, um, you know, if you want to move with it, like you're dancing, you can move with it. If you want to meditate with it, you can meditate with it. If you want to use it for mobility, you can use it for mobility. Like it's kind of an all, all Jack's tool, if that makes sense. <laughs> you can do everything with it. Um, but I think because I'm so interested in so many different aspects of fitness um, it has helped me evolve my own practice and the mace counterintuitively has helped me evolve my other modalities so it's really opened the door not only just to our community which as you know is wonderful and explorative and constantly experimenting and supportive um, but yeah it's it's opened me up to new tools like new ballistic tools that i never would have seen new um unconventional training methods that i never was exposed to prior to mace i've really kind of split my 
my my life into like pre-mace and post-mace like your podcast you've got the black and white days and then you've got the colored days but yeah it's really there the mace really drew a line for me so it really drew a line between the way i viewed fitness before picking up a mace and the way i viewed fitness after picking up a mace and after it was just so much more organic and creative and I don't need to lift a barbell like this. I don't need to lift a kettlebell like this. Like maybe, maybe I can lift it like that and see what happens. Like it, it's, it definitely triggered something that really, really spoke to me. Now, this is really interesting because uh, you mentioned that the mace kind of taught you how to approach your other fitness modalities uh, with, with a different, with a different lens, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So um, is mace the only thing that you ever came across that has kind of caused you to do that? Um, well, I think that mace taught me to look at all of my anything like that. It taught me to look at ev everything outside of the box. All of life. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Mace. Yes. Mace. And like just to stay open, stay open. You know, there isn't a right and wrong way of doing things. There isn't like, don't be so dogmatic in your beliefs and, you know, try stuff and fail over and over and over again, like fail and fail and fail. And it's, I mean, the more you fail, the more gratifying it is when you actually succeed. So it's definitely a life lesson and everything. So this means you finally learned to try liver. <laughs> I still, if someone cooks it for me, I will eat it. But I don't trust myself. I'm a terrible cook. <laughs> but I, I think liver is like super nutritious. <laughs> you want to come cook it for me, Fred? I'll eat it. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, liver is not tastier than pizza for sure. But I, I get, <laughs> I get what you mean, though. So. The um the mace has just caused this organic shift in your perception of the world, where you're more open to everything. You're op more open to try stuff. Is this though because you see the world through a fitness uh, perspective to begin with? Are you kind of just geared to see the world through how your body moves, through uh, struggling under weights, through? using discipline because uh, you have discipline. What's up, everybody? Are you in the market for a new steel mace? Look no further than Adex Maces and Clubs. Go to adexclub.com, place your order, and have them delivered right to your house. Adjustable steel mace made right here in the United States. Discipline in, in your form. You have discipline in your... Um, you know, uh, what, what, it, you know, con your consistency, you know, constantly working mm -hmm. out and everything is, is it that you're geared that way? Or is this something that might actually work for just about anybody? Um, I think I am geared that way. Like I can be a little bit OCD with certain things. And I think it, I, that's just how I was taught. Like I, that's how I was taught from a young age to approach fitness. Um, and it wasn't like whether it be dance or martial arts or like you, you work hard, you know, you work hard at whatever it is you're doing. And if you're going to do it, put everything into it. Um, and I still love like, I mean, I love lifting heavy weights too. I love, you know, the challenge of that, but you just, you can't do that every single day and not expect to sort of like, it's very taxing on your central nervous system. And, and so having other modalities to still allow me to move, um, because I'm crazy if I don't move, <laughs> like, yeah. so, you know, on days where maybe my body's feeling a little beat up, but I still want to move, I, having these other modalities and other options, um, really filters in any any holes that heavy lifting heavy lifting isn't the answer to everything so right. um i think it's wonderful and i think you know you need to have days where you push a lot of weight you need to have days where you're being explosive and moving fast and there's days it's important to have days where you go in and you leave everything on the table and you know you leave feeling like you've been hit by a truck i think that's important but i also think it's important to have um recovery and calmness and some sort of balance 
that, you know, you, you need it all. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I find uh, that's where Mace has come into my life. Even like, uh, you know, let's say I, I had a bad cold and I was kind of out for a few days. Instead of going right back to the gym, I'll just spend a little, you know, go back to the gym to do like regular weight training. I'll spend mm -hmm. a few days just hitting some Mace stuff and taking it slow and light, doing like a flow, you know, maybe looking up. Uh, maybe looking up you or one of the other uh, awesome Mace people out there and just seeing what you guys are up to and then just try to copy it, whatever. Um, it's good for the brain like that and everything. Oh, it's hugely good for your brain. Yeah. <laughs> like that's one of the best things about, especially, I mean, Steel Mace Flow in particular. It's it takes a tremendous amount of coordination. Like I've never, I never played any sports growing up. So my hand-eye coordination was always terrible. Um, cause I was never used to catching or throwing or I never used any props like that. Um, but it's improved a lot from using a mace. Like, can you illustrate how, like, where did you notice that your coordination has gotten better? Well, catching and releasing a mace. <laughs> you don't okay. miss too many times until you learn to catch that mace. You know, that um, is true. Yeah. It, when, you, <laughs> um, when you're flipping a mace around, you know that there is a price to pay. If For you sure. Don't, yeah. It's a little different than like throwing a tennis ball. Right? If you drop it, you drop the tennis ball. It bounces. If it lands on your toe, it doesn't do anything to your toe. And it certainly won't smash your floor or anything like that. But you know there's a consequence if that mace drops. Besides the fact that a bunch of people are going to turn around and look at you and say. It's loud. Yeah. <laughs> Bang. Everybody's just staring. You just want to go home. So that's really interesting, though. So uh, but have have you noticed uh, increased, increased coordination in uh, any of the other fitness that you do? Like when you're doing uh, your, your other workouts that are outside of the, the mace workouts? Oh, yeah. Like, I think it just because it is a dynamic tool and it's a ballistic tool and you're moving through all these different ranges of motion, um, you're it constantly exploring. You become very, very hyper aware of your own body. So your body awareness in general um, develops. So you're when you're using a ballistic tool, you're sort of always, always counterbalancing where that offset weight is going to be. Um, so you're, you have to be present a hundred percent the entire time you've got that mace in your hand or else, as you know, you'll get hurt. Um, like, I mean, like any tool, you wouldn't go up to, and snatch a barbell without being a hundred percent in the moment, or you wouldn't go up and just pull a 500 pound deadlift off the floor without being a hundred percent in the moment. This is just taking that and, you know, you could be doing a five, 10 minute set of flow you have to be so, so aware of every part of your body, the way that your hand is gripping the mace, the way your shoulders are rotating, the way your balance is on your feet, you know, it shifts. Like it's a constant, constant shifting and web ebb and flow of where your body is in relation to the mace. Now, like dance, a lot of uh, flow comes from this uh, center of strength that's different than say uh, a power lifter strength or a football player strength. Can you tap into that a little bit? Can you explain what that difference is of strength? Because I don't dance. I do a little bit of steel based flow. I always notice the good flow practitioners. They don't, they make it look effortless, but when you try to do it, you realize there's some strength that is involved. What is the difference between that strength and just brute strength? Um, I don't, I can't put my finger on that. It's different. It's just, I think the people that are really good at maze have just put in the practice to mm -hmm. like, they've, you have to, you have to be a good mover in general, but you have to really, really understand the way your mace moves. So you need to know how and when to absorb weight, how and when to shift and accommodate the weight like you need to move with the mace and not let that mace determine how you move does that make sense yeah that really makes sense that's a beautiful way to explain it that's that should be that that should be a clip right there and be put on top of every uh <laughs> any any training that's package. The sound bite right there <laughs> yeah no that's that's great well you know i 
have seen you over the past three years. Uh, I just, you know, I follow you anyway, but the, uh, your name keeps popping up in other people's Instagrams as, um, I learned this from, I learned this from Kristen. I learned oh, this from Kristen. Nice. Yeah. You're popping up a lot. <laughs> and I, and then, uh, I'll see, uh, certain individuals they're flowing, they're doing stuff, they're looking good. And then they mentioned that they were, uh, working with you, I guess, over zoom. Yeah. 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 I mean, cool. yeah. So you've, I know you, since the, the, Three years ago, when we talked, you were saying, well, I'm just kind of getting into Mace. It's been three years now. And now you've really become a go-to source for Mace practicing. That means so much to me. It's true. I mean, you've I've been noticing that. That's why I wanted to have you come back on the podcast. So now that uh, a lot of the Mace community has gotten to really know each other, uh, a lot of people have been on the podcast and we've all watched each other talk and we've all DM'd each other and everything. Um, is there any particular, and I'm not, I'm not asking this to, to make anybody feel left out, but is there anybody in particular that you think like, wow, that person really blew up like with their practice. Is there anybody like uh, that maybe, just came on board that came up quickly or somebody that you've known for a while. And like I said, I'm not trying to put you on the I spot. Think that this podcast is not even long enough to yeah. list. I couldn't possibly start. I'd start listing and be like, Oh, but then this person, Oh, and then this person, yeah. like it's, and I think uh, the lockdown really made a big impact on the Mace community in a good way. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was a negative in so many ways, but um because so much of MACE is online, like virtual MACE practices, people were looking for an outlet both to deal with their stress, to deal with the, you know, it was very like high depression rates. So they were looking for outlets to deal with that and just fitness, like they needed movement. We weren't allowed to go to the gym. We weren't allowed to, half the time we weren't allowed to go outside. <laughs> so um, I think it forced people to kind of try things they wouldn't have normally tried. And so in the last two years, um, it's just grown exponentially. It's so amazing to see. And to see people that, well, even some of my own students that started with me on a whim and are still with me today, like showing up to classes and to see how their, um, their practice has evolved. And now that they're taking things and making their own flows and making their own creations and just their technique is on point. They're buying heavier maces, like they're getting certified to teach themselves. Like it's wonderful to yeah. see that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your services, Kristen, because I, I want I want everybody to know how to get in touch with you and everything like that. So this, we're going to talk about like what it looks like to work with you a little bit, just so people have an idea. But before we do that, just tell everybody best way to get in touch with you if they want to train with you. Um, through Instagram, probably. I mean, Instagram diary of a fitness junkie. Um, I have a website, the fitness junkie site that they can reach out to. And that's in the link in my bio as well. I'm also on YouTube and TikTok and Facebook, <laughs> all kind of on the same name. Um, but Instagram seems to be the easiest way to communicate. Um, and then from there you can sign up for free classes. I've got on my website, you know, a page with just tutorials. So just like hundreds <laughs> of tutorials, yeah. it's all free, they can go on. And then if you wanna work with me directly, I offer four virtual training cl like classes each week. So people typically will pay for a subscription. So that would give them access to the four classes as well as I record all those classes. So on my members only page, we now have like, again, hundreds of classes that they can just pull up on demand. So I have offer classes in foundations, which are more um, supposed to be more basic, but they're getting to be a little bit more advanced because the people that have been taking them have been there so long. Um, and then I do an advanced class on Thursday, which we incorporate, usually we incorporate a little bit of animal flow in, um, the beginning, some groundwork, um, and then more advanced flow. So hand releases, single arm work, things like that. And then I do a steel mace hit class. So um, still sometimes we'll do like flow type stuff in that class, but it's definitely more strength and conditioning. So more like for reps, we'll do Tabatas, we'll do intervals, things like that. 
And is it uh, just kind of diverse as to what people like? You get more people in one particular of those categories than another, or is it kind of spread out evenly? Um, I think mo no, most people do all of it. Most of my students that like the flow, because it's sort of like a build a flow. The, uh, the other classes that I do, the foundations and the advanced flow, well, we'll learn new flows each week, each class. Um, and they also do the conditioning class just because it's important. So if you want to get better at flow, you need to get the reps in otherwise. Right. So I encourage them to do both. And, you know, there'll be classes where we encourage a lot of my students have multiple maces. So, you know, as they get tired, they can get a lighter mace. Or if they're trying to build strength, they'll pick up a heavier mace and work that way. And then I also do private training sessions occasionally and mentorships. So I can oh. certify people now as a steel mace flow educator um, with steel mace flow team. I can take on uh, students and mentor them through their level one process and then certify them. Right. So a person who wants to be mentored for that, that they, do they go, can they go right to that or do they need to go through uh, your one-on-one -on -one training first? That is one-on-one -on -one training. Okay. So that is okay. through the mentorship, it is, they'll include one-on-one -on -one sessions and that'll just depend on the experience of that person. Typically it's six to eight weeks of mentorship, um, depending on how, what their base is. So some people have been swinging mace for, you know, a couple of years and just want to get certified. So they already have a really good foundation. Um, they're familiar with steel mace flow and the language and the, you know, the terminology and everything. So it's it's quicker for that than someone just coming in. I just got this mace in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> Typically, when they just get a mace in the mail, it's like ten pounds too heavy. <laughs> Always. <laughs> no, I just ordered fifteen pound. I'll be fine. <laughs> so, what do you tell them? You tell them to just go get the ten pound mace and then see you at the classes for a little bit, just to get catch up on uh the lingo and catch up with hand positioning and stuff because i guess when you want to start the mentorship you want to get them on on the ground running you don't want to have to explain to them what like on over under hand switch is when um so i've got tutorials that i can refer to them for that so on my my members okay. only page i can refer them to basic terminology landmarks transitions footwork but also part of the mentorship is they get that content from steel mace flow so they'll get you know the level one um program oh so okay. they'll get all on their own as well oh this is great yeah this is great so i mean they they're really gung-ho they want to get a mentorship you give them access to all this stuff so they could basically come into it ready to just get right to work and pound it out. Yes. That's awesome. That's and good. I mean, they can like space out our private session as much as they need to. So some people they're like every single week, some people they'll take a bit, practice it for a couple of weeks and then book another session okay. practice that for a couple of weeks, especially as you know, when you're learning maze, it can take a long time to get those swings. Correct. Right. So the, it can be very daunting for someone that's just learning how to swing a mace to be expected to swing 500 swings unbroken for their certification. Right. So we need to build that up. Yeah. And I think um, there's some people, they have the frame of mind if they sign up for a program that's weekly, uh, it's sound. It sounds good in the beginning to them, but because they have very busy lives uh, and there's always things interrupting, they they lose focus on the weekly. It's I got to be careful how I say this. There's it's got a pro and a con to it. A lot of people need that structure so that they can finish what they started. But there's people that don't want to start it because they're afraid they're not going to be able to meet a weekly demand. That's right. And they need to go at a pace that they could work around when life interrupts them. So that's really cool that it can work that way with what you provide. So that's something that people should pay attention to when deciding how they want to go about learning something. Um, of course, at the end of the day, it always comes down to you personally making the effort. So it doesn't matter how a program is structured. 
it's up to you to really see it through. And I guess, you know, you could do whatever you can over a Zoom call, but the one thing you can't do is hold somebody's hand or hold their mace or whatever expression you want to. Yeah, I can text them relentlessly, though. Oh, <laughs> like all day long. No extra cost. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Have you done your homework? Where are you at? You just go after them, right? Of course. Yeah. So now when, uh, let's just say somebody's interested, but they've never done a Zoom call before, but they want to take one of your classes. What does the class look like? Is it, how many people are there? And can everybody see that person or can they remain anonymous? Um, I like to be able to see them. Um, I do record the classes, but the recording will just be me. So it won't be like a whole class of people on that recording. Um, but I think everyone's kind of just paying attention to themselves. The class sizes vary. So there's, I don't like to have more than like seven people in a live class. So I try to limit it to that because it's just too hard to see everybody. Um, and I want to kind of give that personal attention if I can. So I try to keep the classes small. Um, but the, the class will be, I mute everybody for the recording. I mean, they're free to unmute themselves if questions arise, but we'll go through you know, a basic, a generalized warm up that usually takes about 10 minutes. We'll usually get into some conditioning work, swing work. We always do like a few minutes of just swing work at the beginning of the class. Um, constantly, constantly trying to fine tune swing technique. Um, and then we'll get into like a build a flow if, it, if that's the class or it's strength and conditioning work. Nice. Uh, and do you ever train uh, couples or just, um, I like, have once, <laughs> but I know it like, like as a, like, a, like, a, yeah, well, like, a, no, 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 not like a marriage counselor or something like that. Although it, does that, got a pivot, does that? Yeah. Right. right. Special couples mace flow. It's wonderful. Well, there's a thing there. That's why I ask. I was just, uh, thinking about when, yeah, when the lockdowns were going on, and I ended up getting a couple of, uh, I, I got this one couple, a fitness couple, they were locked down and um, they were going bonkers and they <laughs> wanted, they, nothing was working for them. And they were probably at each other's throats a little bit. And this whole mace thing just presented a whole brand new clean slate, um, you know, for them to work together with. Yeah. And I think it helped them. What I thought was interesting was me teaching them was easier than saying a one-on-one -on -one because usually one of the people out of the couple was doing something better than the other. So I would say, hey, you show them. You're, <laughs> you're doing it. Show them right now while I'm here. Go do it. right." There. And then they would kind of work together and – and work through it. And that was, that made it easier for me because I get, I guess now you're, you're a total pro when it comes to teaching people over zoom, but there is a learning curve because, and everybody yes. says, how do you teach steel mace over a, over a zoom call? Well, where there's a will, there's a way. And it's actually not that bad, but there is a learning curve, right? So I've gotten very good at verbally articulating things. I think like if I look back at the classes I did, because it kind of just started as like, we're all locked down. I'll throw these classes on for free. If people show up, they show up. And then it kind of turned into a business. So at the beginning, like if I was to look back at those classes, there was fumbling and, you know, I couldn't, I had, I was just using the camera on my laptop. So like, there's a, definitely a learning curve, but the more I do it, the better I get. Every single class is a chance to kind of increase increase my technique as a coach. So that's why I don't mind when I'll program a class and maybe only one person shows up. I'm like, it's still good practice for me. Uh, so like there's days where, you know, I have half, half of my students are on vacation or someone's injured or never through mace flow though. They always get injured outside. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's good. It's good to really, really know the language um, because there is a name for everything right especially when you get into the level two steel mace flow things you didn't know how to name have a name they all have names so like every 
angle, every increment, every hand position, it's all got a name. Yeah. And so this all ties together. This is really, this is uh, a real life experiment happening right in front of us. So you indicated being able to instruct people by, you know, how you speak to them and everything. So right away, as a teacher, it goes to show that you've elevated your, your skill level. You could teach people how to do something that's kind of complicated uh, over a video call. That goes to sh- that, that just gives credos to, to you as far as um, being a skilled teacher. But another thing is how there's a, a, a word to describe or a name to describe all the movements and where your hand positioning is. This language assists in this process, this video tutoring process. If you didn't have uh, words to describe stuff, how do you how do you um, run a class with? It would be hard, right? I mean, I credit steel mace flow for providing that language to me yeah. uh, because it definitely made things a lot easier to because uh, there was times where i was doing movements not knowing that they were what the names were for them right um, and i mean you're as you're flowing you're finding new patterns and finding new positions that weren't there before um and then sometimes i will message like the educator we have like a group educators chat and i'll be like what is this position called and they're like that's called the she devil pose. <laughs> like I didn't know there was a name for it. Is there really a she devil pose? She devil, he devil. There, like thousands of names. Wow. It, it's an entire language of in itself. So you have to send a picture or a video to get a, a name. <laughs> this... if I'm not sure. Like it, no, it, sometimes just... I'm just like I'm sure this has been done before. Yeah. I'm sure there's a name for it. Can you guys fill me in? And they're they're very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we need a like a an accessible glossary or something like that with like a picture. Like, are you doing this picture? Click on that. Oh, this is what it's <laughs> called. This we need something like that. Steel base flow. Hey, Leo, listen, man, <laughs> you got more work you got to do here. All right, He's working Instead. on it. It's getting there. <laughs> but I mean, who else is really doing that? I mean, what? I I don't. I guess kettlebells could be in the same vein. Uh, but if anybody is doing any online coaching uh, with any other style of training, weightlifting or whatever, we know that, you know, there's always the best way is to be present because you can really help your client the best. But if you can't, uh, I think steel mace has got to be one of the most complicated that and like trying to teach somebody karate, right? Yeah, I know animal flow has a very big virtual presence. So there's a lot of, like, I took my animal flow certification through Zoom. Yeah. And it was like I was there. Um, so it's, it's uh, I think if you know how to instruct and you're comfortable being in front of a computer screen. Yeah. Then there's lots you can do. I and guess then- a, a good tip of advice to anybody aspiring to be a, a coach, whether it's Steel Mace or whatever. Um, is to be a student first. So that way you know what it's like to be oh, of the, course. right? So go go be a Zoom student. Go take Zoom classes um, and, and see where, you know, oh, I wish the instructor did more of this and less of that, whatever. Then you would, then you know. And then when you could, when you're ready to run your own Zoom mace class or whatever class you want to do, you kind of saw the strengths and weaknesses and, uh, have you taken any Zoom classes besides uh, Animal Flow for, you know, for Steel Mace? You've taken yeah. some. Yeah. yeah, all of my Steel Mace education has been digital. Yeah. So I've never experienced Mace in person. Wow. I mean, I used to teach Steel Mace Flow in a park <laughs> when I first started, yeah. but I've never actually received any formal Steel Mace. Oh, that's that's a lie. I have been to Rick Brown's live. Okay. Yeah, that me too. Yeah. Um, but other than that, all my steel mace education has been Zoom. And I think that the more people you can learn from, the better you will be as a coach. That goes with everything. The more, you know, 
no matter what the modality is, you will take away something and someone may have a different point of view that speaks to you more, or they may have a different language that, you know, resonates with you more. Um, maybe you will prefer their style of movement better. Like there's, like I said, there's no right and wrong way to do things, especially when it comes to steel mace flow. There's definitely a very big brush of artistic creativity that goes across it. So um, every, every single person that picks up a mace is gonna have a different style to move with it. Um, there's certain things that stay true. Like there's certain mechanical things you have to make sure that you're aware of and that you've got that down, but um, just for safety. But otherwise it's very broad and you can learn from everybody. You can learn, I mean, I learned something from my students all the time. Even if they're just starting, they may do something unintentionally. I'm like, that's genius. I love that. <laughs> I think I've picked something up from your daughter once. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, we talked about it. Uh, it, it. It was the skaters. Yeah. Yeah. Jumping and back I, and forth. Yeah. And then that, was, that showed up in the new breed certification. Yes. Right. <laughs> and that's always something I show kids when I show them the mace. They, it's, you know, cause they, they like to jump around. So you give them, you give them that. And then of course, if it's too many kids, they all find and you fall apart and you lose, you lose your class composure. And uh, so it's something to save for the it's end. It's hard to but, teach kids. Yeah. It's oh yeah. I had to teach kids this summer and it was like trying to keep them all interested and all on task was very difficult. Now, were you teaching them uh, mace? No, it was at, uh, I coach CrossFit. Oh, okay. So it was like kind of a kid's pro CrossFit fitness. Um, it was fun. Yeah. Where, and where do you teach that? Do you teach at a CrossFit gym? Yeah. Yeah. I've got, uh, there's a local box, Alchemy Fitness, and they're wonderful. Oh, Alchemy Fitness. I I must follow them because that sounds very familiar. Really? Yeah. Well, so, they're famous. They're, yeah. Well, you know, fame is uh, <laughs> is big in in our community. I mean, it, it happens quickly, right? Because it's it's not a huge community compared to the rest of the fitness world. Right, and I think that's why, like, even though Mace has exploded in the last couple of years. Um, it's still very unconventional and very niche. And I think that's why it does so well virtually because my audience, like I can now train people that aren't just local. I have an audience that's all over the world that can log into my classes. Um, whereas if I was just depending on people in my immediate vicinity, it wouldn't fly. Yeah. Yet. yet. Okay. You say yet. So do you do you predict uh, the modality continue growing and and do you see it growing? Uh, do you see any problems with it growing? No. No, I think it's it, it's like looking at the kettlebell, you know, 10, 20 okay. years ago seemed like a very unconventional tool and now it's pretty mainstream. And now not only are people doing mainstream stuff with it, but they're flowing with it. Like yeah. doing incredible, sorry, my husband's calling me, juggling and like super, super high skill work with it. So. Just for the record, your the Steel Mace Nation podcast is more important than your husband's phone call. <laughs> yeah, and I told him. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about no, that. No, that's all right. I just like to point that out. You know, we've got an important <laughs> podcast. Yes, here, so. you take priority. Um, yeah. Talking about the mace, come on, let's go. No, but I ask, um, do you think it would be um, a good thing or a bad thing for steel mace modality to get bigger? Because what about if it gets highly commercialized in some way? Like I picture if it went and got commercialized, I picture Nike commercials with white maces with glowing globes and people on steppers with white sneakers and tight <laughs> pants and crazy music and all of a sudden everybody thinking it's corny or something like that um no i think i mean the more mace in hands you can get the better right. um and i know what it does for me so i'm not really concerned what happens elsewhere and you know maybe i will try one of those steel mace step classes <laughs> <laughs> if it comes about maybe I, i'll lose one <laughs> but, 
I do love step aerobics. Yes, you do. So you tell <laughs> me you've never actually combined the two into one? Step aerobics in mace? Yeah. I've used my step with a mace, but okay. not, not like jumping over it. Okay. All right. So you, you're not ready to go that far with it yet. Um. Well, you... Mm, I mean, I'm not 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 willing to do it. It's just not something that really sparked my interest yet. Okay, next now video. My, my wheels Ever, turning. <laughs> start, start watching Chris, uh, Kristen's Instagram because you're gonna see something <laughs> new. I go to my garage. <laughs> <laughs> go record something right now. We'll wait and then come back. There's and, no, there's no limits. You know, and I your I like your Instagram. Uh, it's it's refreshing for me on uh, my feed because your Instagrams, uh, you got a lot of bright colors. Um, you got the fast paced movement kind of um, like you augment the video just a little bit. Sometimes um, it's crisp. It's it's fun. It's light. You know what I mean? It's um, some, some, you know, my stuff is all like kind of like dark skulls, metal, that, <laughs> you know, uh, so I need to take a break from that sometimes. But um the one thing though is even though your your videos are bright and crisp and fun they could be kind of intimidating sometimes because you move so well that some people might go geez i can never do that and they just so what do you say to those people tell them don't be a chicken right i guess i put on my instagram what i hope to see on instagram so mm -hmm. for me i i don't I mean, I don't scroll endlessly on Instagram. Don't, I don't. I can't That's say good. this about TikTok. <laughs> uh. TikTok is highly addictive. But on Instagram, I go there for inspiration. So I go there to see what new movements I can find. And sometimes I'll see people doing stuff on a reformer. And I'll be like, I don't have a reformer, but I bet that would go really good on a ball. <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll, I use it for inspiration. And I use it yeah. to see... I don't think I can do that, but I wonder if one day I will be able to do that. So I'm going to put that in a folder of to do. Right. So I've got all these folders of things that I like goals and then things that will get me to those goals. So maybe, maybe like right now I just got stall bars. I want really want to be learning how to do like a human or a flag, but yeah, I can't just jump up on there and do a flag. So I have to find curate all these little exercises that will strengthen me into those positions where eventually I'll be able to get there. Ah. I, I think though, I'm really not afraid to fail. And mm -hmm. I don't think that failing is something that holds me back from trying. Um, because I know that I'm not really naturally good at stuff. <laughs> I have to work really hard. Like the first 10,000 attempts aren't good. Yeah. I should post more of the failing. Yeah, that I mean, maybe that's good for people to see that sometimes because they do make up something in their head. Like you've always been this way, you've always been that person. They see this quick little video, they don't realize the hard work that goes behind it. So, what is it that keeps you focused and in the pocket to stay on top of something that you're not good at? And work your way into it till you are good. And and how do you, how do you find the ability to you know push through all the the negative talk and stuff like that that comes with it when you're failing over and over again? If there is negative talk, I don't, I don't maybe you don't have that. Um. Well, I'm persistent and stubborn and. I kind of envision what it'll feel like when I do get it. Um, so I'm, and I'm not in a rush. Like, I don't care. If, like I've been working on a handstand for seven years and I still suck at it. Wow. <laughs> you know? really? but I'm, but then I, then I think, well, I only practice it like a couple times a month. So now I'm going to practice it like every other day and see if I can get somewhere. So I know I'm, it's only, I'm my only limitation to getting something. There's, there's no, no external reason why I can't do something other than putting in the work. All right. So if that I want to do it, I will do it. I just gotta, and I don't care if it happens next week or if it happens three years from now. So then you don't, you don't get frustrated then. 
sometimes I get frustrated, but yeah. um, I'm like I said, I know it's a process. Like I've done it enough times to know that you don't get it on the first try. And if you do, then it wasn't hard enough. Like try something else, try something until you can't do it and then work on that. <laughs> That's beautiful. I, I mean, I, I like the answer because it's a simple answer. It is not. Yeah. I mean, you have to go buy a self-help book or anything. It's just simple. What you just said. I love it. I, I I think that's um, something that people should pay attention to. You just, if there's something you want, just work at it and don't worry about how long it takes. If there is a timeline, I guess work at it a little bit more than you are now, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a very competitive person. Like, like I don't, so I, I'm rarely on a timeline to be able to do something. Um, but I know people do get, like my son gets very frustrated. My nephew gets very frustrated. Like he will only try things if he knows he's going to be good at it. And that's going to prevent him from trying so many things. Yeah, yeah. So I kept asking my son, like, before you go to bed, like, what did you fail at today? <laughs> what did you fail at? <laughs> so it's, I really, I think it's such an important skill. Wow, that's a good. Who asked their kids, "Hey, what would you screw up today?" <laughs> that's actually a good question. I'm going to start doing that. I try to tell my daughter all the time, who just started playing the saxophone, and she, I said, "Go practice." And she played like for three minutes. I said, "No, no, no. you got to do. We got to try harder than that." You know. So I I sat there with her and I made her play for ten minutes. That's uh, ambitious. Do you play the saxophone? No. Does she just? Uh, she just decided she wanted to do that. Yeah, she. Uh, so I I play bass very badly. I play guitar very badly. I I post up some videos of it sometimes. My daughter got a cheap keyboard because her friend plays piano, so she was doing the keyboard. But in school, they were like, "Hey, you want to play an instrument?" And she chose saxophone. Love the saxophone. Yeah, I I have no problem with it, but you got to practice it, right? I mean, I imagine it's very difficult. Yeah, it looks difficult. It's like it's it's tough just for her to sit there and hold it. It has a, a neck strap. You got to sit a certain way with it. And um, the lung capacity isn't it hard to blow? Oh my god, yes, that was the thing. I had her playing something. I said, "Keep going," and she got to the point. Where she's like, "I just I ran out of air," and I said, "Okay," so she could go for about three minutes. And then I realized, oh, she's going to have to do this every Mission day. Herself. <laughs> yeah, this is a physical conditioning thing that she has For to do. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, coming from a personal training point of view, I'm like, oh, I get it now. All right. So now, uh, tomorrow, you're going to do uh, three minutes and 10 seconds. And then after that, three minutes and 11 seconds. Three progressive overload blowing. <laughs> That's right. And then we'll do a deload week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if that works. And and then all of a sudden, I'm going to be the, the musical instructor with uh, progressive uh, pyramids and progressive overload and deload. Yeah, it'll be your niche. Yeah, right. But, uh, I mean, like you said, though, earlier, the steel mace kind of opens up the whole world, right? And you see things a little bit differently. I think fitness does that for us in general. Uh, if people, if you teach your kids to do physical fitness stuff, you teach them to work hard. And then they know that they have to, anything they do in life is going to have to take that same measure, right? Yeah. I mean, whatever they're doing. Like, I remember when I was a kid, hating to go to karate. I hated it when I was younger, but it was a family rule. And I remember showing up one day and one of the instructors there was like, you know what, you have to be here anyway. Like you're not getting out of it. So if you're here, just work your ass off and get something out of it. And it was just like something clicked and I'm like, that's true. <laughs> wow. Like why not do that? And then I developed a love for it. So prior to that person saying that to you, I guess that was your sensei or somebody? It, no, it was somebody like one of the sort of higher level students. Okay. Were, were you just acting kind of like sluggish and mopey? Yeah, just like a kid, an entitled kid that didn't want to have to go to karate. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really cool that, you know. So why was that a family rule? Because I'm one of four girls. So my dad 
had four daughters and yeah. you wanted us to be able to take care of ourselves. Okay. Yeah. I think I remember we talked about <laughs> Say again. You can relate to that. Yes, I can. Yeah. I'm, I have my daughter and I want her to be able to take care of herself. Absolutely. So she does dance, but she doesn't want to do any karate. She doesn't want to do jujitsu. Yeah. Neither did I. Yeah. <laughs> I, choice. I, I know. Well, you got me thinking now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it will definitely enhance her dancing, especially if you get her into something like jujitsu, like that discipline. Yeah. Yeah, did you and ever dancing will probably enhance the jujitsu. So she'll probably be naturally like because she's developed that self-awareness and body awareness, she'll probably kill it when she starts. Yeah. I think it's all good. You know, I think it's it's um I know you had that strong start in the beginning of your life, like you just mentioned. Um, and it's remained this physical fitness thing has remained throughout your life uh to such a degree that you're able to coach it and everything i think it's wonderful um is there anything that you want the audience to know about anything you got coming up uh anything you want them to be in tune for any any um training stuff or anything like that um not that I can think of. I mean, I'm just kind of always here. <laughs> if they have any questions, I'm always happy to help. If anyone has any questions about Mace or just wants to talk about Mace, I'll talk about Mace. Yeah. Um, I know Steel Mace Flow is coming out with some new stuff soon, so I would keep your ear to the ground for that because they've got some exciting evolution coming. Um, but uh, other than that, no. I I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It's so fun. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was great to hear back from you after three long years. I can't even believe that it's been that long. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go through everybody and and I uh, have a little reunion like reunion like this. Um, but a great way to to say it at the end there. You said you're you're always here. You're always here. Uh, that's what you want a coach. You, you a coach is like an anchor, uh, somebody you could always rely on. Um, you're accessible. So everybody listening, that's that's Kristen O'Brien for you right there. She's always here, and she's moving well, and she's ready to teach you how to move well. And um, anytime you want to come back on the podcast and rap and talk about things, uh, I think we learned a lot today. We learned about some cool stuff, um, learned how awesome Mace is once again. The, <laughs> just more here. <laughs> yeah, just, it doesn't go away. I, I don't know. I guess we're just going to have to keep doing more podcasts. Uh, Keep digging a little, bit, a little bit deeper here. But Krista, thank you very much for coming on. And oh, thank pleasure. you, everybody, for tuning in. Check out Kristen at Diary of a Fitness Junkie. She is. She is a fitness junkie. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> Thanks so much, Fred. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>